Peace be with you. It's good to be here with you this morning as we prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. I invite you simply to take a few deep breaths to center yourself in this place and in this space. Let us prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God. Do another one. That was an encore. <laughs> so, would the rest of you please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship? We are often pulled in many directions, but on this day, in this place, may service to God be our choice. Blessed be the God of creation who has called us here. Praise be to God who sustains and nurtures our lives.
may be seated. I too share grace and peace from Christ. Welcome to worship at Westminster. We're glad that you're here, whether this is your first time or you've been coming for some time. If you're new here, I encourage you to look around and find someone with a name tag. Those are the folks you can ask questions if you have questions. If you're one of those folks wearing a name tag, I encourage you to look around and find someone you don't recognize and greet them and welcome them after church into this beloved community. If all of you would, during the offering, take that uh, register in the pews and fill them out and pass them down and back, particularly if you leave your contact information, that helps us make a connection with you and reach out to welcome you more formally. And also you get to know who's worshiping around you by name. And now let us join together in the community prayer. Let us pray. For the times we have failed to make a choice, for the times we serve other gods, for the times we do not love with all our heart, soul, and mind, forgive us, O God. In the sorrow and the might have been, in the pain of clinging to the past, in the doubt that clouds our hope, be with us, O God. For the small steps on new paths, for the grace to celebrate sunrise where we are. For the hope that lies ahead, we give thanks, O God. Our Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. Every time we turn to God in earnest prayer, every time our connection with God, the Great Spirit, is deepened and strengthened, know that before you is forgiveness, before you is encouragement, before you is guidance and accompaniment, anything you need, it is before you. So trust in this and be at peace. Amen. Now I invite the children forward for a time of discovery. Spencer, you in? I mean, you... Okay, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's nice to see you all. Glad you're here. Believe it or not, I have already started looking toward Christmas. Can you believe that? Now, I'm going to ask you a question, a very simple question, and um, I'm going to ask it, and then I'm going to count to three, and on three, I want you to shout out your answer, okay? What is your favorite part about Christmas? One, two, three. Huh, I, uh, I would have thought um, 
Christmas homily was going to be up there when 20 minutes of delightful um, rhetoric spewed from your pastor. I thought that would have been... Time to get on that, parents, okay, for next year. I have to say, when I was your age, in fact, when I was my age, uh, I probably would have answered the same thing. Boy, did I love getting presents. Loved it, loved it. And in my family growing up, we opened presents at night on Christmas Eve, which is one day sooner, but it doesn't matter at that point in the year, and it's misery all day long, waiting, waiting, waiting. But do you know that I've actually started my Christmas shopping already? I, yes, I, well, of course you didn't know that, but um, uh, I already bought something for my wife. Now, don't tell her. She's not here. Um, it, uh, not that I want you to keep secrets, but we'll just say it's our surprise, okay? And I am going to give you all a challenge in a little bit to start your Christmas shopping, too. You see, what, uh, thanks for the enthusiasm, all right? So, um, this is what happens when I tell people I'm preaching. They look at me and go, oh, jeez. Um, So this church does something very special. One of the things that we are told that Jesus said, uh, it's in the book of Acts, is that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It takes a while to grow into that one, but, but I think one day you'll realize that. That giving is really important. And at this church, we offer something very special for two Sundays a year. This Sunday and next Sunday. It's called the Alternative Christmas Fair. And what it is, is it's a chance for us to give money to some people. They're all out in this room called Finley Hall out there. And they will give a gift to somebody on behalf of you, in your honor, in your name. So, for example, there are some children, uh, not only who don't have um, many toys to play with, but they don't have school supplies to go to school with. There are many people, young and old, who may not have enough to eat every day. Can you imagine Uh, uh, not having to have enough to eat for a whole day. There's all kinds of wonderful things. This is a whole list of them that you all and your families, the adults that you come with today, can buy for other children and other adults and someone else will give that to them for you. So that in in addition to getting your own gifts at Christmas, um, you can give something to someone else that they really, really need. And here's what's also very cool about this, is when you purchase something, you get a card drawn by another young person. What a beautiful card that is. And it'll say something like, um, this gift has been sent in your honor to help people in need around the world. And then it has our church's name on it. So here's my challenge. Do you like challenges? Some of it involves sweets, so you might refine that answer. Um, (laughs) You're going to go in there in Finley Hall after Sunday school or after church, and I want you to take your caring adult with you around and see if you can visit every single table there and ask what it is they're offering, and then as a family or as a group, you decide what you want to buy for someone else. Can you do that? And if you go to every single table, you get a... You have a good time doing that. Okay. All right. Before I get in more trouble, let's wrap this up. Let's pray. (laughs) Dear God, thank you for Christmas. We do thank you for presents because it's a sign of other people's love. And we pray that we would give good presents to other people who need them, especially presents like food they need, care they need, supplies they need that we might take care of all of your children this year. In Jesus' name, amen.
Any instructions? No. No. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. It is wonderful to be with you all on this Lord's Day. One of the ways that we try to build up this beloved community of faith is to share joys and concerns so that we can hold one another in prayer and know what's going on in one another's lives. So if you have something to share, please raise your hand and uh, speak as loudly as you can. Bruce. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so Bruce names uh, Sina Besselow. Many of you know Sina. We have this Wednesday class, Wednesday morning, and one of the blessings of that class is we have a number of people who actually don't come to this church on Sundays who come to the class. And one of them is named Sina, and Sina has been living with pancreatic cancer, and she died this past week. And so we hold her family in prayer, and I want to tell you that her um, funeral service is at Chapel of the Most Holy Rosary at St. Vincent's School for Boys in San Rafael, and it's November 16th at 11 o'clock. I can repeat that if you need that later. It's also, there's an obituary in the IJ. Thank you, Bruce. Others? Thank you. Liz? What was the name again? A friend of Liz named Kamala who died yesterday, you said. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. Others? Yeah, please, Rachel. I'm sorry, who lost their? Oh, you, oh you, your father. Oh, I'm so sorry. Rachel lost her father this week, and we certainly surround you and your entire family in prayer. Is there one over here? Did you? Are you sure? I'll come back to you. It's okay. I won't make a Notre Dame joke. Um, others? Yeah, Joan. Of course. Absolutely. Joan is lifting up our homeless uh, friends and neighbors, some of whom sleep here every Sunday night. And Marin is undergoing a transition in how we're going to try to care for our homeless sisters and brothers moving to a housing first model. And while many of us have great hopes for that, some of us worry about who might fall through the cracks in a transitional period. I'm, that's me speaking, not you, but... Okay. okay. Yeah. A great idea. Yeah. Peter lifts up many of the, the members and friends of this congregation who aren't able to make it out on a Sunday, and particularly around the holidays, that can be tough. And so, if you know someone who is a part of this church but isn't able to be here, uh, reach out, drop them a card, give them a call. It really helps to feel connected. Others? Yeah, please. Uh, Lynn. Uh, I have a story. Yeah. 
beautiful. So Lynn Chittick, who's a seminarian, a member of this congregation, has, uh, there's a community garden at the seminary in San Anselmo, and she has a plot and is going to be turning, it's a peace garden, is that right, and doing some Advent. Oh, is that right? Oh, wonderful. And so every Sunday at 6, she's going to be doing some gathering there for some singing and prayers, I assume, and whatnot. So if you need to know where that is, see Lynn or see me, and we can get you there. That's wonderful. Sure. What? P.M. I hope, 6 p.m.? Good God, Sharon, what are you suggesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be a candlelight vigil, yeah. Barb. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Of course, yes, Barb reminds us that church that suffered that horrendous shooting last Sunday is gathering for the first time with only half their congregation left. And we, yeah, indeed. Well, let's also remember on this day the scars of war that are borne by many who survive it, those who love them and those who love those who don't survive it. And let's do that in quiet before we join in the Lord's Prayer. Gracious God, you hear those prayers, those prayers that are lighthearted and fun, and those prayers that are heavy and difficult to speak. We trust them to you, and we trust our lives to you, and we pray that you would mold us ever more into the beloved community. We pray these things, and we pray all things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our first reading this morning is from the book of Joshua. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. The Lord protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for the Lord is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for the Lord is a holy God. The Lord is a jealous God. The Lord will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then the Lord will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done good. No, we, we will serve the Lord. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve God. We are witnesses. Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The Lord our God we will serve and the Lord we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, See, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that God spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. And our second reading this morning is from Dr. Seuss. The Zode in the Road. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to two signs at the fork in the road? One said to place one, and the other place two. 
So the Zod had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zod scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, now that place may be hot. And so how do I know if I'll like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'd be sort of a fool if I go to place two and find it too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So maybe place one is the best, not place two. But then again, what if place one is too high? I may catch a terrible earache and die. So place two may be best. On the other hand, though... What might happen to me if place two is too low? I I might get some very strange pain in my toe. So place one may be best. And he started to go. Then he stopped and he said, on the other hand, though, on the other hand, other hand, other hand, though. And for 36 hours and a half, That poor Zode made starts and made stops at the fork in the road, saying, don't take a chance. No, you may not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start out for both places at once. (laughs) And that's how the Zode who would not take a chance, got no place at all with a split in his pants. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, two weeks ago, we heard a story from the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses had led the people right to the brink of the promised land. In fact, he could see it in front of him. But God told Moses that he would not actually cross into the promised land. And then after he dies, it is Joshua who then leads the people on into the promised land. And now today, our story is from the end of the book of Joshua. And now Joshua is nearing the end of his life. And he has one more thing that he needs to tell the people. Choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he tells them, you might choose to serve the Lord your God. God who has led you out of Egypt and here into the promised land. Or you may choose to serve the gods of your ancestors. Or you may choose to serve the gods of the people living here in this foreign land. But you must choose. And then he makes his own choice very clear. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people immediately respond, well, of course we choose to serve the Lord our God. Far be it from us to forsake our God to serve other gods. This is a no-brainer, Joseph. Joshua. But he's having none of that. He he doesn't want this sort of quick, unthinking response because he knows right now things are good. 
right? God has followed through on God's promises to bring the people to the promised land. Life is great. God is great. All is well. But he knows it's not always going to be so. He knows that there will be times when it becomes very difficult to serve God. He knows there will be times when the people will be tempted to turn and serve the foreign gods of this foreign land. In fact, he has already seen the people many times want to turn away from God during their very difficult journey from Egypt. Are you you sure you can do this, he says to the people, because I'm not so sure that you can. He wants to make sure they understand what an important choice this is. You don't say you're going to choose to serve God and then turn around tomorrow when something better comes along. But again, again, the people say, no, no, of course, we are going to serve the Lord our God. And they stand as witnesses to that choice, declaring together, it is the Lord we will serve and we will obey. Now, it's not just the Israelites who are asked to make a choice. You know, we too, as people of faith, are asked to choose whom we will serve. Now, sitting here in worship together on a Sunday morning, I think the choice probably seems obvious for many of us. Of course, we choose to serve God. But as Joshua reminded the people, and even as Dr. Seuss reminded us today, the choice isn't always that easy. How many times do we want to choose both place one and place two? How many times do we try to serve God and serve something or someone else? You know, how many times do we try to serve God and money or God and power, God and status, God and shiny new things, God and sports, you know, God and fill in whatever blank makes sense to you? Sometimes we want both place one and place two and all we do is end up with a split in our pants. You know, when the values of our faith mesh with the values of our culture, sometimes there is a disconnect there. And in those times, whom or what do we choose? Now, a couple of months ago, my son got an invitation to a birthday party. And in this invitation, it was very clear that the birthday girl who was turning 10 did not want presents Instead, she requested that her birthday guests make a donation to a specific nonprofit organization that was very near and dear to her heart. What an amazing example of choosing to serve God. You know, this 10-year-old girl not choosing that God of consumerism, realizing she already had more than enough stuff. And instead, lifting up this organization that was doing God's work of love and compassion in the world. Now, we weren't actually able to attend the party, so afterwards I asked her mom how it had gone. And her mom said, well, she got a lot of presents. She said, you know, it's weird. It's weird. No matter how many times we tell people we really don't want presents, they give them to us anyway. 
you know, how ingrained we are in worshiping those gods of consumerism. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that gift giving is bad. Gift giving is wonderful, a way to show our love or our appreciation for someone else. But especially as this Christmas season comes around, how might we serve God in the ways that we give our gifts? How might we serve God in the ways that we choose to spend our money? You know, I'm so grateful for our alternative Christmas fair that gives us so many wonderful options. Now, I was so inspired by this birthday invitation that I thought, what a good idea for my family at Christmas. What if we were to give each other fewer presents, take the money we would have spent on presents, and donate it to a nonprofit of our choosing? So I shared this brilliant idea with my family, and my son immediately burst into tears. Tears, like a crying meltdown. And I'm thinking to myself, we have failed as parents because my son is obviously now worshiping the gods of consumerism. He has plenty of stuff. He doesn't need any more stuff. But the thought of not getting presents brings on tears. But after he calmed himself down, he explained that it actually wasn't the not getting presents that was making him so upset. You know, through his tears, he says, what will I tell my friends when they ask me what I got for Christmas? He said, if I tell my friends all I did was donate money, they'll laugh at me. Yikes. If I choose to serve God and how I spend my money, my friends will laugh at me. Peer pressure is no joke. And how often is it not so aligned with our faith? And it's not just for 10-year-olds either. So a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a group of friends, most of whom are parents at the same school that my son attends. Um, and several of the parents were not feeling so excited about the principal of the school. You know, they'd had um, some complaints about some decisions she'd made, some interactions she had had with family and with staff. And they were talking about their criticisms of that. But then the conversation moved into criticizing her as a person. You know, it started to become slander on her personality. And that's when I started to get a little uncomfortable. Because if I choose to serve God, then I am called to love my neighbor. I am called to pray for my enemies, not to speak ill of them. So as this was going on and as my discomfort level grew, I sort of slowly removed myself from the conversation. However, since then, and it's been several weeks, I've been upset with myself for not speaking up. Now, if I truly am going to choose to serve God, there are times when taking the easy way out and just remaining silent isn't good enough. Now, how do I choose to serve God in the words that I speak, words of love and kindness and compassion? 
You know, we make this choice to serve God every single day. You know, in the decisions we make on a daily basis, are we choosing to serve God? And how we are in relationship with each other, are we choosing to serve God? And how we care for ourselves, are we choosing to serve God? Now, the examples I've given are important, but they're relatively benign. Like, I think we can all agree giving money to a nonprofit's a good idea sometimes, right? And speaking words of love and compassion, absolutely, I could get behind that. But what happens when the issues get a little more divisive? You know, if I say I am choosing to serve God, the God who welcomes the outcast and who loves the least of these, how do I serve God through health care? How do I serve God in how I welcome immigrants or refugees? If I say I choose to serve God who calls us to beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks, how do I, as a person of faith, respond to the gun violence, the epidemic of gun violence in our country? How do I choose to serve God in how I vote and how I advocate and how I have difficult conversations with people about difficult issues? Sometimes if I choose to serve God, I am called not to stay silent but to speak up. It's hard. It's challenging. There are obstacles in the way. And Joshua was very clear about that. He knew that it was not going to be easy. But lest we get too bogged down in what makes it hard to serve God, let's not forget the good news. And the good news is that God has already chosen each one of us. We each are chosen by God. You know, before Joshua asked the people to make their choice, he reminded them of all that God had done for them. He reminded them of the many blessings from God that had filled their lives. So their choice to serve God, our choice to serve God, is not made in a vacuum. But no, it's made in response to the blessing in our lives. And when we consider the love that God pours into our lives unconditionally, how can we do anything but respond in service to God? Now, once Joshua had gotten the people's assurance that their choice was to serve God, he set up a stone as a symbol of that covenant. He set up a stone as a symbol of the people's choice, He also set up a stone as a reminder of how hard it was going to be. But that's okay. When we fail, when we don't do as we wish we had, God forgives us. God loves us. God gives us yet another chance to choose to serve God. Let us pray. Loving God, May this stone be a witness of our choice to serve you. We enter into this choice with eyes wide open. We know there are challenges and obstacles to serving you. We know we will often want to choose to serve other gods, and we might very well end up with a split in our pants. 
But may this stone be our witness that we will not be overcome by these challenges and obstacles. Again and again, we will choose to serve you. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. There is much going on in the life of this beloved community, and I encourage you, as always, to take a look at your bulletin and visit the website to see other ways in which you might deepen your connection to this body of faith and to the mission that it's committed to. You've heard already about the Christmas fair, and I do encourage you to go on over to Finley Hall in the next building after the service this weekend, next week, to see what you might offer to those in need. And and a thanks to all those who are helping out, many of them beyond my earshot now, I realize, but please thank those who have volunteered their time to lead those efforts. You'll note in the bulletin, among the other announcements, I think particularly appropriate, um, sadly, for this moment in our culture, is a sexual violence and harassment workshop. It'll be a two-week series. You can come for one or both. They won't be the same, but it's okay to if you can only make it to one. Uh, led by Kathleen Buckstaff, December 3rd and 10th. Many of you know Kathleen is an author and has written a book about these matters, and it is sadly all too timely. So we encourage you to be there. There is an indication of the ages that it might be appropriate for. But it's important for us as Christians to see this as a faith issue as well. Uh, And finally, and I suppose this is as much a joy as it is an announcement, which is a nice place to end, and that is a slight update from the Stewardship Commission. We are committed to trying to give you numerical updates in the bulletin every week, so keep looking there, but I'm pleased to tell you that we are 78% of the way to our goal. Uh, It's great news, yeah. Once again, this congregation is showing its true colors as a generous people, people giving uh, generously, people giving sacrificially even, and uh, high participation as well. We're in the home stretch. So we know that some of you cannot make your decisions about your giving for next year till closer to the end of the year. We understand that. But insofar as you are able to let us know of your pledge for next year, we encourage you to get in your pledge packet. If you need more, there are some in the narthex, the entryway, or see me and I can connect you. But the main word there is of thanks. We're on the home stretch. Let's finish strong. On that note, our closing hymn is number 628, Please Rise in Body or Spirit.
So one of my joys is that Dasha Ross is sitting there in the back corner worshiping with us today. She, <laughs> she doesn't get to come to church all that often. It's hard for her, but she's here with some family today. She walked in through the door this morning. She saw me, and the first question she asked, I think even before saying hello, was, are you going to sing something today? <laughs> And I said, no, Dasha, that's not really my plan. And she just looked sad. So, Dasha, this benediction is for you and is for all of us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's faith shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.